0: I just really wanted to talk about, um, I've I've read multiple interviews that you've done where you've described this film as truly a roller coaster experience for genre fans, and that was really your intent. Um, But also, in addition to that, potentially, if they want to stick around for the conversation, having things in the movie that may spark said conversation and things that are dealing with real-world horrors and things that are actually happening um, in our nation, do you think that horror as a genre... Is particularly equipped um, to do both of those things, offer this sort of roller coaster experience, but also have some of those complicated and nuanced conversations? And if so, why? Wow, what a great question. Um, well, let, let's unpack it together. I, I don't have a big thought out answer
1: ready for you. So oh. I, let's, I'm going to do a little like verbal exploration here of what you just said. Obviously, it's true. Right. I think, I think that horror has been a, a, a mechanism for social commentary since it began. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all sorts of, of commentary that existed around Frankenstein and Dracula and those early things. You know, Bride of Frankenstein is about is about homosexuality in America. And um, Rosemary's baby, you know, is about uh, I, I don't even want to like, <laughs> obviously we know what that's about. get out, yeah. you know what a, what a brilliant. What a brilliant conversation start! But what I think is like what's great about horror is it's well, a it doesn't take itself tremendously seriously, I hope, but b it's the first agenda of horror is fun and a visceral emotion, so that you don't feel like you're having the agenda for lack of a better word like shove down your throat like that's the most important thing it's like Mm -hmm. for for barbarian i can tell you for certain the the my prime directive is to make you have fun and scare you and and laugh hopefully and then below that yes like there's a conversation to be had i'm just kind of parroting your question and i (laughs) realized dude i don't know man i'm kind of out on an island here i've just talked myself into a circle but it does it does seem to work and um fuck me (laughs) <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Let's just say, yeah, it, it always has worked. It's I, I just feel like it's a good backdoor. It's like a Trojan horse to get these ideas out there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like you the, sign up for the thrills and, and then you're also presented with with like, you know, something a little meaty. It's like yeah. uh, Mark Duplass. I, I worked on this uh, documentary series uh, called Sasquatch with, with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we were kind of getting it all ready to go out to the world, he was just like, "It's I like shows like this because it's like Doritos and your vegetables like wrapped up in one. Like you think you're eating Doritos, but then we sneak in some broccoli every now and again. And I feel like that's that's kind of what we're trying to do with this movie
0: yeah a little sugar helps the medicine go down there you go that's a better way to say it what am I doing Doritos and broccoli (laughs) Mary Poppins said it best (laughs) that would have been a different song Doritos and broccoli helps the medicine go down (laughs) Um, but I really feel like one of the contributing factors to make this movie such a roller coaster is watching this character that you almost immediately empathize with Uh, and so often you have a knack of putting them in such horrible situations, but a lot of these situations that they're put in are because of their own decisions and because of their own heart, not out of uh, idiocy or them uh, being um, too naive of what's going on. They're fully aware of the danger that they're putting themselves in, but they are because of who they are as as a character. And I mean that literally. Um, In your mind as a writer, how do you go about crafting a character who the audience can still emotionally engage with but also see them put themselves in these situations where you're just screaming at them like no don't right. go in that door don't go yeah. down the hallway
1: i mean for so for the character tess that's just me i just wrote her as me like how would i how would i handle this and like um you know she does call 911. She does do all the things. She does take the photo of, of his driver's license and lock the doors and all that. Um, that's what I would do. You know, I just want to treat her with the same intelligence that I would ex- expect of myself. And I feel like an audience can watch a horror movie where a character makes decisions that they don't agree with. You can still be on board if a character is doing something you disagree with, but if they do something that you don't believe that they would do, then you lose the audience. Does that make sense? Totally. So I, I just knew like, this is who Tess is. Tess would go down this dark staircase. If if she thought this guy had fallen down the stairs and broken his leg and he was right, mm-hmm. she doesn't know she's in a horror movie. I can understand how she would step down those stairs. I don't think it's advisable. I think I would I would tell her not to if I was, you know, there, but I believe that she would. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um it is a delicate line and and often, you know, um Horror movies fall one side or the other, you know. Uh, eventually, every horror movie's character has to go into the darkness. So exactly. you, it's heavy lifting to to earn that, you know. I'm, I, I hope I pulled it off. We, we will see what people think. But uh, it's funny it, yeah. because I watched the trailer and, like, so many of the comments are like,
0: okay, she's stupid. I would never <laughs> go down there. And I'm like, okay, I know you wouldn't, but um, she yeah. would. Well, That's I think you also do a, a great job of teeing it up to where you, you establish her as an intelligent character and you have that great mirror sequence. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, she's smart. She knows that she's in this dangerous situation. And it's more because she's a good person and she wants to help her friend. Yeah. It's not, she's like, oh, what's could be down here? I feel like she knows that it's probably bad news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've also said uh, in interviews that this movie was a result of kind of a late night garage, almost sort of kind of like writing exercise in the very garage that this interview is in. This is the
1: garage. Here's um, my washer um, and dryer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and you also said that you didn't start writing this movie with like theatrical ambitions in mind. I
1: I didn't start writing this movie to be a movie. I didn't yeah. I didn't start writing this thinking this would ever um be shown to another human being you know I mm-hmm. just wanted to write this one scene and and just have fun for myself it literally the way like a little kid uses crayons is mm-hmm. it was my kind of spirit of writing this It was fun yeah um and then I just kind of followed my fingers and and you know I, I didn't know where I didn't outline it I didn't know what was going to come next mm-hmm. so when the big turn happens you know that was just me being being like What's, what's going to happen? Like, I didn't know what was under the house uh, any better than she did. And, Mm -hmm. and I thought that, um, you know, Stephen King has this really, really great um, writing analogy where he says like, you're an archaeologist, you know, you're digging up a dinosaur fossil bone by bone by bone. You don't know what the dinosaur is going to be. You don't know what shape it's going to be. You don't know what you've got on your hands. Mm -hmm. You just have to like discover it as you go. And I think that's such a, a, a joyful way to write. You know, as opposed to the intellectual, like, you know, note cards on the, on the wall and, you know, intellectualizing everything and outlining it so that, you know, before you write page one, how it's going to end. Like, that's great. I'm sure there's probably a thousand movies that I
0: deeply, deeply love have been crafted that way, but Mm -hmm. this just wasn't one of those experiences when you started off on this venture, did you have any initial kind of ambitions that when you now see the final product you realize have completely changed or evolved since when you initially started working on the project? Hmm. I, no, uh, quite, quite
1: honestly. And this is going to be probably frustrating for, for other filmmakers, but like, the movie I wrote is pretty much dead on the movie that's on the screen. You know, the only compromise I had was that the denouement happens on top of a water tower and not a church. I wrote it as a church, but when we got there, there wasn't a church at the end of the block, there was a water tower. And I was gonna I was gonna have them build a church and CGI out the water tower, and then my DP was like, why don't you just use the water tower? And I was like, oh, Yeah, great. And so that's, that was the big compromise. Um, I'm sure there's like lots of little tiny things here and there, but like overall, like, you know, it, it just, it just, I was really lucky to be able to just kind of port the script into the screen.
0: Mm -hmm. And I also uh, at the great Q&A that you did at the Arrow, somebody had asked uh, about the title of the film, which is something you've been asked a lot during your press tour, but it did really remind me of something in your answer. Uh, And you also recently tweeted that uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out is one of your favorite horror films. And one of my favorite personal anecdotes that he did uh, when he was doing press for the movie is saying how there was this fan theory Uh, with the Fruit Loop sequence uh, and the the milk being separated. And this fan thought that that was this complex, deep metaphor about segregation in America. And he was like, Oh, I just thought that that's something like a, a crazy person would do. <laughs> are there any moments in this movie that either fans or studio notes or actors or whatever brought moments of depth uh, that you didn't initially intend to be there and you kind of were like, oh, no, that was there from the start? <laughs>
1: there's so many. There's so many. Some I've taken credit for that are I shouldn't because they're not my idea, for example. The art director, this wonderful woman, Rossi, uh, she in Frank's bedroom, this is spoiler territory here, but in Frank's bedroom, she put in this giant beach scape. I don't know if you noticed there's there's like a big palm tree and an ocean scape in his mm. bedroom. And to me, it was it was the most perfect thing, because when we meet AJ, he's at the beach, he's at he's in front of an ocean. And in my mind, AJ and Frank are really the same person like they're they're, you know, Frank is the crystallization of everything that's wrong with aj so when aj's confronting frank and looking at his behavior he's really like looking at at a deep dark part of himself and i just feel like the beach parallel and i leaned into it with that that hawaiian music and post that is me trying to just like signal to the subconscious like these guys are connected Um, so that was a cool happy accident uh aj singing a song when we meet him about killing snakes and Tess has this snake pendant hanging from her her, uh, rear view mirror. And AJ shoots her and then tries to throw her off a building. He's got to take matters into his own hands and kill Mm -hmm. his own snakes. That's literally the lyrics of the song. Um, There's lots of things. I didn't know that until uh, someone in a YouTube comment told me that Barbarian is an anagram of Airbnb. That fucking blew my mind. (laughs) Uh, Somebody else noticed that the the address of the... uh, of the house is 476 Barbary. And they were like, that's so smart. 476 is the year that Rome fell to the barbarians. And I was like, I had to Google that and be like, is that true? And it is true. So I was just like, I don't look, I, I don't take credit for any
0: of that stuff. I, you know, but uh, I love that it exists. Yeah. Uh, And you had talked recently about or, or you just said going into like spoiler territory and how it's it seems impossible to talk about this movie in a way that's substantive but avoids all spoilers. And I truly do not envy you in regards to the marketing of the film. And I'm just curious. How much creative say do you really have once it gets to that point? Because you've said the trailer is really just the tip of the iceberg, which it truly is. Mm. Um, But when you're releasing these trailers and posters and even clips of the movie online, Mm. do you have any sort of say, or are you just kind of sitting there crossing your fingers? Like, I hope they don't spoil my movie. Um, You know,
1: Disney has been, and this, this is true. Like there's no gun to my head here. They have been so amazingly collaborative and um you know from the very beginning they were on the same page of not spoiling it so i i was i was certainly worried that that was going to have to be this big battle of like we can't spoil the movie and we got to get butts in seats but we don't want to give too much away they got it from the beginning and like they definitely took my input but to be frank like the trailer that i would have cut for this movie was going to be way worse than the trailer that they cut for the movie and they they showed it to me and i you know there were little things i might have tweaked here and there but like That's the trailer they made and I fucking love it. So I I have been blessed um, in the marketing process of this with just like people who know what they're doing. All I have to do is just like, you know, say, thank you. And, um, and it's been, it's been great. So yeah, like they took the ball and ran with it in a way that is perfectly in line with what I hoped we would do. And, And that sounds like a phony baloney, like filmmaker answer. I hate when people in Hollywood like won't talk shit because I'm like, I know you hate that actor. You know, or, I know that guy's an asshole. Like say it. But like this really was like a kind of a dream um, marketing time. Justin Long we're coming for you. Is, is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Justin, that's the other thing is like Justin is the sweetest, nicest guy. It's ridiculous. I love him to death.
0: Yeah, you cast and uh, Bill Skarsgård, it's the same thing you yeah. talked about how with when you have the Pennywise situation when you see him, you're initially like that guy's bad news yeah. and so again not to really go too much into spoilers but it's it's such a great subversion of that and then you also have Georgina who uh is super empathetic and just and wildly talented so yeah uh, I guess congratulations a first-time filmmaker getting such a killer cast I I'm pinching myself
1: man I, I I it is I don't deserve it you know it's like an embarrassment of riches that I have like mm-hmm. three I would say five um just dynamite performers you know and and the five would be matthew who plays yeah. who plays and uh and richard mm-hmm. um they just were all perfectly suited and and i'd love to take all the
0: credit in the world for it but you know i i don't know
1: i don't know yeah. i got lucky
0: yeah and you um i'd also talked about a big inspiration this movie was um audition which is Mm. a a really terrific film if any so good fans haven't seen um that movie uh please go seek it out but i was wondering what specific elements of audition did you watch as a fan or even back 20 years ago or or only getting up to 30 years ago and say and be really inspired creatively by that
1: i mean when i saw it in in i must have seen it it came out in 99 i probably watched it in 2000 and um I remember being being truly, truly shocked by the by that movie um, in a way I don't think any other movie had actually like kind of traumatized me mm-hmm. uh, and it, it was lost at the time I think it was 19 and so I didn't I didn't really understand like the parable of that movie um, until I watched it as a as an adult later on um, but to me there's two reasons that I think Audition is like the spiritual ancestor of, of Barbarian first and foremost it's a film about male privilege and about sexual misbehavior and and it's that's the theme that it's playing with and um that's what barbarian is playing with also it it completely disobeys um you know s- structural archetypes in a way that is really fresh and exciting like the movie you think you're watching when you start audition is not the movie that you're watching when it ends it is tricking you and barbarian um, is is aspiring to that so I just felt like It's a very punk rock, very, like, radical movie. And so I I wanted to try my hand at that. Um, I can't believe I got Disney to release.
0: (laughs) Not only that, but it's it's literally, like, in the UK, going to be on Disney+, Plus, which is hilarious to me. It's insane. So, you can watch yeah. Moana, you can watch <laughs> Yeah, I am just hoping that there's some uh, you know old British woman who accidentally stumbles across this uh, movie and is just absolutely terrified. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've also talked before not only in press for uh, for this movie, but also a prior works that you've done that you're a big radiohead guy. Um, I'm a big I was,
1: Radiohead
0: guy, and uh, you've said that it's one of, if not your favorite bands of all time. Uh, are there any songs or albums that you would assign to be in Barbarian if you had to say this song or this album captures the mood of Barbarian in a way? Holy shit! Um,
1: no, no, I don't think so. Um, I feel like Radiohead exists on a completely separate plane than this than this movie does. So, so no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull them down to my level.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are there uh, any uh, songs or, or artists that you listen to during the writing process? I'm always yeah. fascinated about like, what's the, when you, when you sit so, down to actually write, what's the vibe w- like?
1: When I sit down, I, I write, I wrote Barbarian. I don't do this for everything, but I wrote Barbarian in this room at night and I've got these colored lamps, which I guess you can't see that, you know, I've got like that little app on my phone that changes the light in here. So I, I turn it like deep red or red and green or something, some cre- creepy low light thing. And I played... Um, I made a playlist on Spotify, which is public. Anyone can go and listen to it. That's called Right To This Now. Um, and it's just really sinister ambient music. And there's one track in particular that just locked into me. And it's it's the song called Necro by this artist A0001. It, I think three zeros or two zeros. Um, and it is just a pulsing, sinister synth sound. And when I heard that, it just like, it, it like set something off in my brain. And I listened to that a thousand times as I was writing this movie and it's in the movie. I got the song. It's in the movie. So when she like steps down to that dark hallway, the first time it's this like boom, boom, boom. And that's, I, that's the song. So,
0: um, yeah, just a lot of like really gnarly,
1: sinister, quiet,
0: ambient music. Yeah, and uh, I remember you had mentioned that, and that moment in particular really did stick out with me. So Isn't I'm it great? Track, it's so, so effective, too. <laughs> but um, you're very clearly like a big music guy, and this being your first-time uh, feature-length film, what was it like to finally get your hands on, like, this is the score for my movie? What was that like? I'm not there yet. I still don't feel like the movie even exists yet. You know what I mean? Like
1: I, I Once it's born out into the world and I get people's reactions right now it still feels like it's in the womb. So I I have yet to like spike the football as it were, you know, everything still feels like very delicate and fragile. And, and so um, I have not done a victory lap of any kind. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And there's something that's obviously going to be uh, on a lot of people's minds when watching this is just the two different um, genres really at play here. And something I found so fascinating about the movie is as Georgina herself really descends down the stairs. The movie itself kind of descends further and further into madness. Yeah. I imagine that uh, probably wasn't something on accident. I'm sure no. you probably uh, were, were pretty giddy on having this character just push themselves into a worse and worse situation.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. It's so fun. Just to just to tighten the screw, you know, unrelentingly. My <laughs> One of my friends who'd watched the movie... I was like, "Did you, did you like it?" And he was like, "No." <laughs> I was like, "Oh no!" He was like, "It was like it's like it was it was so tense, it was sickening." And I was like, "Oh, you made me so happy! Like that's like that's the right. greatest reaction I could hear." That's so. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, he did like the movie a lot, but I think he had a really hard hard time. He's not a horror guy, so I, yeah. But but the idea that I could stress someone out to the point of them feeling sickened is like mm-hmm. a major major win for me
0: yeah and something especially sick in the movie is the character of the mother sure uh, who the design of which is uh really just something to behold for sure um what was was the character that you wrote down on the page the same one that translated you talked about that obviously before but did this character look differently at times or did they kind of just come out in this one singular vision
1: this is what i wanted to look like you know gigantic powerful Alabaster naked woman with long black tangled hair. You know, I I got it like Saturn devouring its sun. I believe you know that painting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then there's like the Beowulf. Uh, there was a Beowulf children's book that I had where Grendel's mother is depicted in this like mm-hmm. ink drawing of just this. It's the mother. It just it looks exactly like the mother, and that's what I showed. To my team, to be like, this is what we're doing. Um, I think I I originally like designed the face in not quite as severe of a way. So like we had a we had a bust of Matthew's head, and I was adding some prosthetics to it, and I did it very mildly because I wanted it to look real. I didn't want it to be a creature. It's very important to me that the mother is is seen as a human being, like she's real. She's in my mind one of the most empathetic characters in the movie, and so to make her this like gnarly, you know, grotesque um would be a disservice to her so so i think you know my first pass i didn't go far enough and she just looked like a nice person because matthew has a very kind face so i did i did have to kind of crank that up a little bit right before production Mm -hmm. um but i'm glad that i did um because uh you know it's more effective but um but yeah that was uh that was a clear that was a clear visual in my head from the writing
0: of what she would look like and that's that's kind of what she is yeah obviously the mother inspired by different things but i'm wondering frank arguably the barbarian of the movie was he inspired by any real life killers or serial killers or were you just like i'm gonna make the worst person the most despicable person i possibly can
1: yeah so there's a guy i believe in austria who is very similar has a dungeon and kept a lot of people in it um there's a guy in ohio that did similar stuff i honestly i i'm not so interested in frank um you know uh he's a device to, to have built the world that these characters are inhabiting, but I didn't do a ton of research into like the techniques and the, the mentality of serial killers to me are, 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 are not like endlessly fascinating. Mm-hmm. So, um, he's, he's there, he's a plot device and he's a mirror to AJ, but I, I didn't spend a ton of time getting into the weeds on like what makes Frank tick.
0: Yeah. That's interesting to hear you say that because like, Just societally, a lot of people seem to be really into the the true crime thing, and I am podcasts and stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, I love last podcast on the left, and you know all that stuff, and Mm -hmm. um, you know morbid, and and I like true crime, but um, this just was a different this was a different
0: thing. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and you've obviously had a, a big history. Um, and, and comedy, uh, especially, and uh, obviously we've already talked about uh, Jordan Peele having his own history in comedy. And I'm just, I'm so thrilled to see that be a trend nowadays because I'm always so fascinated between the the line between comedy and horror because it's, right. it's absolutely way thinner than most people would think it is. It is. And so I'm so happy that so many talented comedians out there are really getting their chance to take a crack at something like this. And it proves to be a pretty successful, you know, streak uh, so far. Pretty good. Thank you. Average. Thank you. Yeah thanks yeah Yeah. Uh, and when you're thinking about what you want to um, work on next are you trying to lean more into the horror the comedic route are you just going to see where the wind takes you
1: I'll see where the wind takes me it's funny I've had a couple of I've had a couple of things that are kind of like um, you know on my table not not necessarily like pick any movie you want to do but some are very funny some are some are you know I'm writing two things right now one is is another like horror movie and it is so much weirder than Barbarian. So like, I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off or not, but um, I'm also writing a thriller. Um, I'm looking at a sci-fi script right now that I really love. That's very funny. Um, So I I have no idea what I'm going to do next. I
0: I wish I did, but I don't. Yeah. Well, the thing that's no doubt going to be coming next on your list is actually the official release of Barbarian, um, which comes out on September 9th. Um, I'm curious, what is your your personal release strategy going to be? Are you hunkering down, turning off the phone and just going in another way? Or are you confident that people are really going to love the movie that you delivered?
1: I've done enough uh, screenings for audiences at this point to feel pretty confident that people are going to like it. Mm. And so I think I have to just recognize, like I have a limited amount of time where I'm going to be able to experience this movie with an audience. So I think opening weekend, I'm probably going to go see it like three (laughs) times, you know, maybe I'm vain you know, maybe this is narcissism, but I just think like while I can, I should do that, you know, because once it's gone from theaters, it's gone from theaters. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go see it and I'm going to I'm I, listening to people experience it is is really exquisite for me. So, I'm going to yeah. drink it in as much as I can.
0: Yeah, the the screening that Arrow that I uh talked about for Beyond Fest was probably one of my favorite movie-going experiences of the year because it truly is. A roller coaster and being able to be surrounded by an, a packed crowd not just of movie fans but genre fans yeah um, this is one of those movies when i reviewed it on tiktok i was like if you're a genre fan you really owe it yourself to see barbarian because it's a it's a sight to behold for sure thank you so much <laughs>
1: man thank you
0: yeah, yeah. um any last uh, uh notes about the film or anything that you want to share for fans to maybe give them that last nudge to go see the movie
1: the only thing, well, if, if you've listened to this whole interview and you're on the fence about seeing the movie, it's been spoiled. So that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so what I would normally say is like the trailer it does not tell you the whole picture. You know, the trailer is the tip of the iceberg. I promise you'll be surprised. I promise you it'll be fun. Like go take a roller coaster ride. Better to go on a roller coaster in a theme park than watch a roller coaster on your phone. You know, go experience it for yourself. Um, but we've 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 gone past the line where that would be appropriate so let's That's true. <laughs> yeah I'll, well, zach, I'll leave it at
0: that zach thank you so much for speaking with me it really was a pleasure uh and yes genre fans if, if you've sat through the interview sorry that you've been spoiled but uh yeah do it to uh, you owe it to yourself to go check out barbarian it's a lot of fun
1: thank you so much for having me man it was a pleasure speaking of course
0: with you. yep and uh good luck on the rest of your press tour i'm sure this is going to be uh, quite an adventure for you buddy <laughs> it's a blast it's a blast